Welcome back to season two of the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced running physiotherapist, coach, and marathoner. This season will involve open discussions with my running colleagues about the key principles behind injury-free running and optimal performance. It'll be backed by personal experience, science, and history. I can only hope some of these chats inspire curiosity and expand or confirm perspectives and beliefs amongst the running community. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. brief interlude from the show guys before I get back to it if you have any running injuries or running questions training indecisions and you want to book an online or in-person physiotherapy appointment with myself Dane Verway go to www.runculture.org while there you can also find a link to my online strength and conditioning community where you'll join an exclusive members only Facebook group and gain access to over 220 minute running specific mobility Pilates or strengthening routines Anyway, enough from me, let's get back to the show. You can't do, no, I don't care how good you are at physio, there's not much you can do in 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and the most impact you can have with someone is just connecting with them. Yeah. And you can't, like 20 minutes is not enough to connect with someone you might be able to like do some manual therapy and make them feel a million bucks, but it won't last. It lasts two or three days. Whereas yeah. if you, you know, your words can last a lifetime. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, that actually feeds pretty well. Like, do you want to get into the podcast? Or well, just tell you what mm. it's about anyway, first of all. Um, mm. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about personality and how everyone's personalities a different or uniquely theirs and um yep. uh, i guess that i wanted to describe why that's important because a lot of the podcasts i've done over the last um month or two have been trying to improve people's self-awareness of themselves because i think it's yeah. like such a good springboard and platform because from there like everyone's you know aware of them their um strengths and weakness to an extent but sometimes we kind of uh forget about like um, reflecting on them and sometimes they can be what holds you back sometimes and sometimes they can also like interfere with good communication uh, amongst your coach or like training partners or therapists and uh, and then people sometimes get the wrong impression Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but then if we're all a bit more sort of aware of how people differ from a personality point of view we might be better at judging someone from their shoes and and seeing the problem yeah. from their shoes and then it might actually reframe how we actually look at the situation and then we're more likely to connect and have a worthwhile uh, message or or actually yeah. get the person to change their behavior and at that that's sort of yeah. where you were uh, uh, like saying about oh you know it's really hard to do a 20 minute session and be really effective mm-hmm. i think it comes down to yeah. that sometimes like actually knowing the person in front of you and yeah knowing knowing them a bit more like you're never going to know them entirely but um like no 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 a little bit more about them and and what scares them or what 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 their strengths are um yeah yeah and and what what motivates them as well and and um you know what their prior what their priorities are yeah and this is you know we've been we've been bloody beating around the bush with like exercise as physios for like two decades um, and, and talking about compliance and stuff, um, that like strip it back a little bit and, 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 and look at, look at what their, what their motivation is and, and what their goals are and what their understanding, what their understanding is as well. Um, you know, it's all like a lot of, we, we so, so much of the impact that we can have, 
um, you know, is relying on our, our understanding of like health behavior, um, you know, health values. Um, and, and it's no, you know, our, our health values as physiotherapists might be completely different to the health values of the person in front of us. And so if we present, you know, exercise and manual therapy through a physio lens, um, and that's completely foreign to them, or, you know, equally, you know, in, in your case and probably my case where, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not, I probably don't really fit the mold of like that typical physio because I don't really, I, 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 you know, exercise and manual therapy are absolutely super important tools. But like the thing that I enjoy the most is like the actual talking and getting to know the person and, and getting to understand their, their thoughts and beliefs and like, um, yeah, I mean, if you can't, if you can't do that, like you're, you just, you're having a, you're having a pump really, yeah. whether, whether they'll actually do anything or whether, whether what you offer has any meaning to them. Oh, hundred percent. Like that's where it's at. It's, it's the psychology like I, like I, in reflection like it's yeah trying to understand you know why someone thinks the way they think because then you're going to sort of be closer to understanding their way they behave um and yeah, yeah, yeah. like i always um well did you hear that that was um yeah massive thunder yeah it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just started raining again here yeah. i got a tin, tin roof next door so <laughs> oh, i love a tin roof um but yeah, yeah, yesterday I got a tree chopped down um, at the front of my house and the guy who came to quote me and, and, and his team chopped it down, I was talking to him and he's like, oh, he, he was like, oh, what do you do for a job? And I'm like, oh, I'm a physio. And he's like, oh, I've got a bit of a sore toe. And um, he, he talked about how he's got gout in his toe and how it's come and gone over the last 10 years. And he's like, oh, it's really bad this time. And it's, you know, stuck around for eight weeks and... I'm on prednisolone because the gout medication's not working anymore. And uh, he's like, oh, I, f I think I need to get an x-ray or a scan. I just need to look further mm. into it. But then mm. um, it was really weird because like we kept talking and he's like, oh, but back when um, I uh, wasn't as stressed out, I've just gone through a breakup with my, um, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend uh, and I'm really stressed and mm. I put on 20 kilos and but back mm. four or five years mm. ago when I was really healthy and fit and watching my diet and I was about 20 mm. kilos lighter, I had no gout mm. um, and I had no, yeah. no toe pain. And so, mm. like, to me, he, like, understood how to um, get rid of it, but it was just hard to, I guess, um, uh, lose the weight. And so he was looking for a, a quicker yeah. option or some other yeah. option because it wasn't as attractive, a, a more attractive yeah. option. But it was just interesting... Yeah. Um, yeah, that, situations like that um, are really confusing as a physio, <laughs> I, I reckon sometimes. That's what stumped me um, mm. over my career is just like, oh, okay, behavior is so, so, um, so tricky to understand because <laughs> he actually mm. understood like what he had to do, but, you know, it's not as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, I mean, it, it, it sounds like at least that guy... Um, you know, recognize, you know, at least some sort of correlation between, you know, um, other dimensions of his life and, and the, the, the occurrence or recurrence of, of gout. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you find, you know, I, you went, well, we, well, we both started physio together a number of years ago and then I went back and finished it only, only a few years ago, but, um, you know, it's increasingly now, you know, part of what, what we learn as, you know, relatively new graduates is, is, um, is, you know, that, that, uh, that well, biopsychosocial approach or, you know, to put it maybe more simply that holistic approach. Um, and, and, and we recognize, you know, we, we do recognize that you can't separate physical from mental from emotional from you know, for some people for spiritual and, and all of those things and yet we still I still don't think the vast majority of people are really actually like tapping into that 
And the only way you can tap into that is if you actually like just talk and, and listen to the person and, and, and explore their explore their beliefs and things like that. And um, yeah, that's that's hard to do in like any of the current you know settings that are, are kind of normal. You know, a GP's office. You know, you get ten minute appointments. You know, a, a private practice physio. You get you know twenty thirty minute appointments. Um, you know, you um, you know. I, I think my, my impression is that when you go to a counsellor, usually or or a psychologist, you usually get a little bit more time. Um, you know, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's not that not, might not be our skill in terms of um, you know it's, uh, uh, assessing and and um, providing input from a, um, a a mental health perspective, um, but we can't separate it from from what we do. Um, and yeah, you, you know, to 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 explore that, yeah, you got to have you got to have time to do it. Well, hundred <laughs> percent. Make the time to do it. Yeah. No, I, I think it's so true that you need time to, because like the last few episodes that um, I've done on this podcast, like it has been about stuff that you need time to to try to like mm. divulge and, and synthesize yeah. and reflect on. Like it's, and, whether it's biases of, or, yeah, yeah, pattern recognition. And a lot or, of clients, yeah. a lot of clients will come into your office and they, they assume, they, they will assume that it's, um, you know, it's a, they've been there before. So, so, or, or some people will have been before. And, and so in their head, they may have like this drill in their head where it's like, oh yeah, okay. I sit down, um, the, the physio or the doctor, he's going to ask me about, you know, when this started and, and he's going to ask me, um, you know, what other things I've had and he's going to ask me this and, and ask me that. And then he's going to, and then he's going to, um, do some tests on me and then he's going to give me a massage and, and he's going to crack my back and I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to, I'm going to feel better. And, and so like, you know, <laughs> some of the health and health, health beliefs that we've instilled in people, we've kind of done it ourselves. Um, yeah. and so like we, I think, I feel like we have a responsibility to, to, to wind that back because, you know, as we, we, as we grow as a profession and, and our, our practice, evolved and and our understanding of our understanding of manual therapy our understanding of you know assessments our understanding of you know the clinometric properties of different tests how how all of those things evolve like you know the 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 style of how we put it into practice has probably got to change as well and and you got to overcome you know the the client expectations or not overcome it you 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 do need to meet the client's expectations but um, at some point, you need to explore their beliefs and 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 ask that question. You know, can I can I provide provide the optimal service here um, and and provide you know the the best care here um, within the framework of this client's beliefs, um, or in this in their the client's framework belief or belief framework. Do, do I need to gently nudge them and, and explore a few things and go, well, actually, you know, did you know this or, or, or actually with, you know, my experience has been this or, or just, you know, and you've got to be tactful about it as well. <laughs> it's no point saying, oh, yeah, there's this research article that says this. That will mean diddly squat to a lot of people. But, um, you know, yeah, being, you know, the art, it's the art of conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, a like, like getting onto personality. Um, so Dave, if you were having a chat to, um, someone who was, cause I want to talk about, um, there's about five personalities and it's called the big five. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's a little bit of science that have gone in, gone into the big five personalities and there's personalities, obviously like quite um complex and um uh it's obviously a combination of like genetics and nurture and um mm. your life experiences and it um mm. sort of dictates um uh yeah i believe personality can change a little bit like but they say that once you're about seven or or thereabouts um you're already displaying um some dispositional sort of personality traits that 
you mm. probably they're probably pretty genetically like hardwired um and they're ingrained they're, yeah. ingrained yeah um and uh so personality what is it the combination of characters or qualities that form an individual's distinctive character um so the five um, main um, personality traits I wanted to talk about today was introversion and extroversion, uh, openness, um, agreeableness, and uh, conscientiousness and neuroticism. Um, so what I wanted to ask you, Dave, was like if you had a patient um, or an athlete that um, wasn't open to a certain idea um, and maybe their personality was a bit more rigid and closed and stubborn mm -hmm. to a certain way of thinking. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how do you um, approach um, someone with a personality that probably is a little bit more um, uh, not as open to new experiences, not, not, not as keen to try new things, a bit more yeah. sort of rigid and uh, like, oh, I just like yeah. doing it this way? Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a really great question and yeah. and um and it, and it's I, I think the first thing to say really is that at the end of the day there's there's more than one way to skin a cat and um you know when, when you're when you encounter those those sorts of people um and and they do have um, more more rigid expectations um you know, look at those expectations. And, and look at what's involved and ask yourself the question, well, firstly, is it safe? Um, secondly, is it, is it effective? And as, as long as it is, if it's safe and effective, then um, in those instances, sometimes you, you, you are absolutely best to, to meet the, the person's expectations because, um, you know, that will play, you know, to not, to not meet their expectations in a, in a person like that, that um, that's potentially um, it is it, it's going to to psycho have a psychological impact on them. You know, they're 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 going to leave maybe a little despondent. They're going to leave um, you know um, questioning and you know where where they're. Someone comes in either in pain or with a problem um, or something that they can't do, and if they have a certain expectation of how how it needs to be fixed and how we can we as a, the the clinician can play a role in that, and if it's safe and effective, then then go for it. We might absolutely think there is a better way to do it here, and we might also think that. The, the most appropriate thing here is to take our time and and really like um, you know you know it, it, it's not a it's not a one we might think it's not a one and done sort of deal here like this is going to take some time and there the the most beneficial thing here is to actually kind of explore some of those beliefs and and work through them but not everyone's going to be open to that and that's okay that's totally fine um, you know. Again, it comes back to can we be safe and effective? Effective, you know, could we be more effective? Perhaps we could be, but at what cost? What's the cost then? You know, so so if we kind of if we um, you know don't meet a, 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 um, a client's expectation who has a pretty rigid um, view of, of how things should be, um, you know, is that potentially doing um, more, not maybe not more damage, but um, certainly helping less <laughs> um, than, than perhaps you know the the um, uh, the technique or the 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 approach um, that you use that they expect um, that you know may not be a, a be all and end all solution, um, but you know they 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 don't want to hear about anything else. Um, you, you, that, that's a that's a pretty common client, and it is it's it's um it's it's weighing weighing it up a little bit, I think, and and just realizing like you know we as clinicians aren't always right, and there's context to every there's con there's always context, always always context, um, and that's why they call it that's I mean that's why they call it clinical reasoning, and 
you know, one of the things we reason with is, is personality. Yep. That's what we reason with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, like that's a really good answer. Um, and like it, it like shows why personality should be like such a, like, I don't know, like taken into the, <laughs> the whole, um, uh, yeah, rehab and, and, um, and your awareness when you're trying to explain something. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that you're, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just being con conscious of, um, the way that other person might take what you say and, and then you might throw them completely offside. Um, otherwise, yeah. um, the other, yeah. uh, other common one that I often see in the clinic, um, is, um, neuroticism. Um, so, mm -hmm. um, and that means like, uh, like you often, um, see people that have just got injured and, and they might be very emotionally, mm -hmm. um, upset and um yeah uh, or or they might be anxious or um yeah. yeah and um and some 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 people like obviously all these personality traits is a it's a continuum mm -hmm. and you're not one yeah. or the other yeah. it's not black or white like yeah. somewhere yeah. on that spectrum and um some yeah. people are um, more neurotic than others um and mm. but and and we probably all know someone in our life that is and you know mm. that the way that you sort of go about a problem with them is a bit different than the person mm. who, um, yeah, is less neurotic. Um, like yeah, you're a bit more yeah, gentle yeah. or you're, you're a bit more yeah. taking your time and trying to, um, uh, understand what they're worried about and then trying to, mm. um, uh, I guess def diffuse the situation or, or if they're catastrophizing yeah. about it or, or, um, yeah. magnifying it, like trying to, trying to, um, slowly, um, paint a, a more real picture that's not as threatening. Um, mm. yeah, it's mm. a, uh, yeah, I think knowing that it's a common, common, um, personality trait and, and knowing where you sit mm. on, on that, um, ne mm. neurotic sort of, um, spectrum is really important. Sure. Um, because then, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you know, um, the patient that's going to, need a little bit more, um, um, yeah, uh, TLC and like, um, yeah, just, um, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, I mean, you know, the biggest thing, at least in my experience, that the biggest thing, um, that the, yeah, the anxious, worried, neurotic, injured sort of person needs always is just a set of ears. That's yep. all. They just need someone to listen to them. Um, and, and that's listening, listening is a skill as well. And, and, you know, we, as clinicians, yes, we listen, but we also ask a lot of questions. And so in that balance between listening and asking questions in a client like that, um, you know, that, that balance between listening and asking questions probably skewed more towards the listening end of the, the spectrum. Um, letting them be heard, um, you know, because giving them the op, giving, you know, the, the anxious person an opportunity to speak and be heard, that can just be therapeutic on its own. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, just giving a, 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 a an anxious person or a, a neurotic person, um, yeah, time to, to be, to be heard. Um, you could do nothing else in your session and they're probably going to walk away feeling better because someone's listened to them um, and someone's heard their, you know, quote unquote, neuroticism and, and what they're worried about. And, and beyond that, at that point, you know, perhaps all you're doing is, is then, you know, trying to keep that momentum going of, of reducing that anxiety and reducing that, that neuroticism. So you may not be, your first priority may not be so much about, you know, what rehab do they have to do and, you know, what what do they need to rest like. You know, if, straight off the bat, you know, if you tell a, someone that's really, really anxious, um, you know, for example, a runner, um, that they that they need to rest, you know, <laughs> that, that, uh, that can have the opposite effect. That can, you, you, that can make them more anxious. Can make them more neurotic, and um, you know, obviously, in certain circumstances, you've got to 
you have to find a balance there. Like, you know, you don't mess around if it's a, if you suspect, you know, any red flags or, you know, or a bone stress or, or things like that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like you, um, yeah, listen, listen first in those instances, I reckon. And then, um, and then your actual input may not be, need to be very much. Um, you know, it's, it is, it, it might be a slower process. Um, in, in, in those sorts of clients and, and, um, and yeah, that might be more what you work on is, is more of that, that, that psychosocial overlay as opposed to the, the biological overlay. And, um, you know, that, that's, um, it's something you and I have both experienced ourselves as athletes and, and going through injury and there's the anxiety that comes with injury and, and how to how to manage that and everyone is a little bit different and you know the the you know you have on one end of the spectrum the really anxious the really anxious folks and then you have at the other end of the spectrum the people that just they they want the diagnosis and they want to be told what to do and they do they'll just do it they won't even think about it um there won't be any sort of worry or concern. They'll just get down to business. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think yeah, knowing knowing yeah, that it's it's a really important important thing to think about. Yeah, from a personality perspective, and and um, and you know what so, what sort of um, therapeutic benefit should you be offering them? Should it be more counselling? Um, should it be just Sitting, having having a chat, and letting them feel heard, or or, or you know, re- really like just laying down the law and and um, telling them exactly in no uncertain terms, and giving them a really rigid program. You know, all of that depends on personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, so well said. Um, yeah, like I, I reckon when I first started as a physio. Um, like I've always been a pretty reasonable listener, um, but mm. like I felt like I had to um, uh, get talking and tell people like, oh, this is yeah. what you do for this yeah. injury, and like you, yeah. you're sort of like this broken record, and you just keep talking, keep talking, yeah. keep talking, and yep. um, yeah, it's in- interesting that you say that, like, oh, you know, some people really just need to be heard, and they just need to talk, mm. talk it through, mm. almost get it off their chest, and and verbally mm. voice the whole situation, and it almost um. Mm. allays their fears because they're they're hearing themselves talk about it and then like that might even just like um make it less emotionally charged just because they're hearing it yeah like oh it's not that bad like um yeah it's interesting how that can like um really um work just talking like you like i always would have thought that you have to act like you have to do something but i think um yeah yeah because i think um, and, and not that you would ever take advantage of it, but, um, you know, when someone comes to see you as a clinician, um, there, there is a, a conscious or subconscious um, trust that they put in you, um, and that's therapeutic. Having someone to tr- that they trust, that itself is therapeutic before you even open your mouth, before you even touch them. Um, and, you know, we probably... Maybe maybe we don't uh, maybe we take that for granted a little bit, um, but that's where that value of listening comes. Is that you know your your they can tap into their the trust factor themselves um, because you have listened to them, you haven't interrupted them, um, and you don't have to do much there. And they can feel a hell of a lot better after that. And you might think, man, I didn't do anything there. Yeah, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's um, it's yeah. really good to like reflect on and and um, talk about because um, it's so true. And seen a, a ton of patients where you're like, "Geez, I didn't do much," and you almost feel guilty, but you kind of did do something. Mm. Um, once yeah. you see them the next time, they're like, "Oh, I feel mm. I feel a bit better about this," or you know, a little yep. bit different about it. Um, the mm. next next one that I wanted to ask you was like, obviously, you know, just recently you know, uh, coming second at Zatapec again, uh, or, you know, mm. in such a long career and, and performing so well at such a high level in running. Um, mm. With your experience yourself personally, but then also having seen a lot of the other guys you train with and, and people you've competed against and, and all your competitors over the years, 
what do you feel are some common personality traits um, in the top end of the sport, I guess, like the, the, the sport where the, um, where people like really go well and make the Olympics and, um, mm-hmm. and win races. Like what have, what have, what are some personality traits that seem reasonably common? Um, uh, or is there a wide range yeah. of personality traits? Yeah, I would say there's definitely a wide range of personality traits, but a, a com- commonality um, the first one that comes to mind is determ- that everyone's determined. Yep. Determ- determination. Um, you, you can have very, you know, you can have um, varying degrees of focus. You can have varying degrees of, uh, of anxiety. You can have um, varying degrees of, um, you know, emotional charge. You can have... Um, you can have varying degrees of almost everything, but you know the 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 thing that I would say um, is common among most, um, you know, I guess that yeah, that high end elite elite echelon of of athletes is the determination factor, and that and I I think that fits into yeah that that can be a an element of of a whole bunch of other. Um, Yep. aspects on that personality spectrum yeah but definitely there the determination factor is probably probably common yeah i think that that fits in neatly with um the idea of conscientiousness like conscientiousness mm. is you, you know you're a hard worker you're planned mm. you're organized self-sufficient um uh to an extent i would say on that i would say that not everyone's planned and well organized yeah true <laughs> <laughs> um, even at the top and, end and i say that I say that, yeah. I say yeah. that from my own experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm horribly disorganised. Um, <laughs> but I've been, but I've been fortunate that I've, um, I've been doing it long enough, and you know maybe that's why, maybe that's why it's taken me so long to, to kind of, yeah, I guess find that sort of consistency and that it, that I've maybe found in the last few years is that, you know, I've done it long enough that it's just. Yeah, that is probably the most organised part of my life. Is 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 my run training and 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 how I periodise it and 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 all of that. Yeah, I'd say you're, you're definitely <laughs> like highly organised in that facet of your life. And mm. it's interesting mm. how you can be a certain way for some parts of your life, and then others mm. you're a bit different. Like I'm probably similar yep. in that way as well. Like mm. I never miss a day mm. with running. I, I always yep. sort of tick it off. Um, it's mm. interesting. And then there's other aspects of my life where you're like, geez, that, that bedroom's a mess or, mm. or, or yeah. um, that car's a mess. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then, yeah, it's interesting how, um, yeah, you, you can sort of, um, yeah, be a perfectionist in certain parts of your life even and then not in others. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's yeah, <laughs> story of my life. Um, yeah. But it, you know, my, my and and this is just kind of my strategy to overcome that. Um, you know, probably naturally lacking um, organized um, organization skill is um, now my strategy for that is to to keep myself really, really busy um, and have and be doing a lot of things and setting a lot of goals. Um, and particularly now at this age, like, you know, I've spent most of my life just setting running goals and now all of a sudden I'm setting goals outside of running. Yep. And um, and lo and behold, my running's probably doing better because of it. And, um, and yeah, it's kind of my antidote for maybe not being like, super super organized being really busy forces you to 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 be organized i guess um you know i might not do it the most efficient (laughs) in the most efficient way and i know i'm probably not alone in that in that regard um and that by no means is a commonality between athletes as i said that's that's a there's a pretty wide wide spectrum when it comes to that um but just on yourself like yeah. So Dave, just yeah. on yourself there, like, would you say like maybe like 
you put so much effort into your running and you're ticking so many boxes with your running for such a long part of your life that like mm. it was almost a coping strategy like so that you just relaxed outside of it and and you didn't have that like 100 percent that like oh yeah. this has to be because that that would just be oh that'd be so absolutely. tiring absolutely yeah it, yeah. yeah absolutely i mean it's it, it's that has been my strategy you know i i um and, and i recognize that like i'm really really grateful you know i wish maybe i was five ten years younger and had learned this a bit earlier but um but I, i'm really grateful um that i did figure figure that for me um having my hands in a bunch of different pots was my strategy for for managing you know, pretty horrible anxiety um, because I, then I just don't have time. Well, I, I always have time to worry, <laughs> but but I but probably a little bit less now than 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 maybe once upon a time, and um, and that's that is certainly just me. I, you know, I, I I envy the athletes that you know can be a hundred percent all in on on you know their their single craft. And you know I'm surrounded by such athletes, and I have been surrounded by such such athletes my whole my whole career. Um, and it's it's inspiring to see. Um, but you know I, I recognise now that it's it's um, everyone's a little bit different, and and getting the most out of yourself. If we're talking about as an athlete, getting the most out of yourself. Um, doesn't depend on how much time you devote um, wholeheartedly to that craft. Um, it's it's uh, you know the time that you do devote to it, you know how well you do it and 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 how present you are there at that time. Um, and you know if you can't be if being present in in one endeavor, you know all the time um, causes you anxiety. <laughs> As, as it probably did for me, um, you know, don't be afraid to do a little bit less or rather than do a little bit less, you know, take, bite off something else. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it may do you more good than harm, which yeah. I think a lot of the time as athletes, particularly as high level athletes, we're always, we're always worried that biting off more will do more harm than good. Um, but it can do more good than harm. <laughs> I, def- I think the danger. Yeah, don't da- sleeping enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think the danger of um, yeah, exactly um, that sort of uh, conscientiousness and going so far down that um, mm. route is you can sort of become like a perfectionist and just like the negative yeah. of being a perfectionist is um, you forget how to relax. Um, uh, yeah, and you 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 um. Yeah, your mind is always racing and thinking about it. Um, so having like yeah. a few different, um, uh, yeah, buckets um, in your life um, to focus on, you know, can yeah. be like, um, yeah, like and, make and it again, more well-rounded. Like, yeah, yeah, and you know, just to like, you know, throw, you know, which I know we're talking about personality here, but um, but just to throw, you know, maybe another element, which is that cultural element. Um, you know, and 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 I'm. This is from a, the perspective of, you know, from my my endeavours as an elite athlete, is that you know particularly, and you still see it. Is is there is a um, there is a cultural value, um, and and particularly for particularly for you know American kids and American athletes and. And Aussie athletes that go over and compete in the NCAA, um, and who do really well, and and who have hopes and dreams of, you know, pursuing their 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 running endeavours after they've finished college, you know, making world teams, making Olympic teams, things like that. There is this cultural pressure, I think, um, and expectation that the only way um, to do it afterwards is to do it professionally and doing it professionally is means going all in on it. Um, that was something I absolutely battled when I finished, finished in college is that that's what I thought I had to do. 
like I knew I wanted to keep running um, and I just like I didn't even consider the fact that you know what I'm doing now is was and always has been the, the best way for me to do it but like I I thought no in order to be a better athlete I've got to devote all my time to it and there is a cultural pressure I think there and and um, you know I, I think um, you <laughs> You, it's probably a little bit better here in Australia, but you know there's there's so much. Um, uh, the world's so close now. You know everyone's connected now, um, and and there's so much co- cultural overlap from country to country, and and um, and still those kind of beliefs persist. I think, and and um, and yeah, I, I you know. You, when you look at that cultural overlay in the in, and then look at the personality kind of perspective, they do interact and and um, and that's where they probably they probably um, yeah they can sometimes it works really well and then sometimes it's a um, yeah it's a bad combination. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's a great insight. Um, and I remember going over to see you in 2011, um, just before the your first Olympics that you made. But mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. you were in Tucson and you had a sore mm-hmm. knee. And um, I just remember mm-hmm. your your whole life was running like um, you, yeah. you had a sore knee, but you still tried to do cross training gym. You saw the physio, yeah. um, and yeah. you were quite um, you're quite worried because um, you, your parents at the time were helping you financially. They were like yeah. um, yep. funding your funding because you yeah. know like you only can do this once sort of thing and you yeah. know, you're young like yep. and you got the rest of your life but yep. yeah i just remember the pressure you felt um and yeah. uh, i remember going home going oh i'm glad i'm doing a bit of physio as well <laughs> as running like i never obviously was yeah. at your level but it was yeah I, I just yeah just after seeing that little great brief snippet um, it yeah. was interesting, but and then, like you say, there are some athletes that can do it, but it's mm. it's interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, everyone's so different, um, yeah. Uh, uh, and they can be uh, some people can be all in. I did um, mm. the mm. I, I gave out a personality test to the kids I coach um, two yeah. weeks ago, um, and this personality test um, it's not. A, a hard science it was called the enneagram mm. um, but it just gives you a bit mm-hmm. of an awareness of potentially um some strengths and weaknesses of, of each of the athletes i was coaching and and i did it myself mm-hmm. and the average of the whole group like nearly every single person in the group was um uh, a one and a three and a one okay. is a, per, a kind of like a perfectionist and a three is a high yeah. achiever or like striving mm-hmm. to achieve um, and they were sort of, they weren't the highest in everyone, but they were really prominent. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that in distance running, it's almost like that attracts, attracts people with a certain personality type, I reckon sometimes, um, especially the kids yeah. that I coach, cause they're trying to, or maybe they've been attracted to me because I'm, or I don't know, maybe I've been attracted to them because, um, I, like I can see that they want to go well and I, I, I'm really keen in mm. sort of coaching people to try to improve their running times and I'm really performance driven, yeah. I guess. Um, so it was just really interesting because I feel like, um, I know it's only like a sample size of 10 people roughly, but no, uh, I feel like... It's, yeah, yeah. We, I, yeah, look, I, I, it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, the, the question of course is, you know, there's clearly a, well, maybe not clearly, but there's probably a correlation. Um, and then, and then you have to ask the question: Is it causative? Yeah. And which direction is it causative? You know, is it the is it the running that makes people um, that it, that brings out this perfectionist, um, highly motivated, or or does it attract, or or, or does running attract the, the perfectionist and the highly motivated? Um, and you know, might might be a little bit of both, but. You know, you, when you think of what running is, compared, uh, you know, as a as a sport, as a because uh, I'm not to differentiate it from running as a um, you know something that you do for your 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 mental and your physical health, but as a as a as a an endeavor that you set goals with and 
and and you 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 try to push yourself and achieve it's it's so 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 simple it's like there's only one variable well, two yeah one variable um run as far as you can and as fast as you can yeah that's kind of the that's like all goals kind of fit into in that one category and and um and so because it's so simple <laughs> we, we try and make, we try and complicate it and, and and in complicating it we try and we're essentially trying to perfect it we become perfectionist yeah. um because because there's there's not enough to focus on <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think like it's, it's, it's so easy to see a, a change in performance like it's um mm. and whether you're getting better or not and yeah yeah is it yeah and, and, and it's, yeah. it can be da- can be dangerous like that mm. always you know you, you're training and you know you're doing the same runs and you know you're trying to compare your times and um and this and that and um yeah it's again you know it'd be I, i'm sure it is a little bit of both but you know it probably attracts the the perfectionist and it probably breeds perfectionist too 100 percent. and the best thing about the enneagram is like it gives you, um, like, say, say, they're your two um, common sort of traits. Um, it gives you like mm-hmm. stuff, uh, wings to sort of try to better balance um, that personality uh, type, so that you don't go too far down um, that, a- and just be sort of so <laughs> single-minded and and perfectionist mm-hmm. with your um, mm-hmm. your your life. Um, so, like for mm-hmm. me, it said, oh, you know sometimes you're going to have to like focus better on the moment um and just enjoy mm-hmm. everything around you um mm-hmm. and be a bit more and and let let go of certain like um uh i guess goals or times and um it's not mm-hmm. all about that and sometimes we can become so so driven by these uh goals that like when you take mm-hmm. a step back you're like okay you know you you, they're important, but they're only important because um, it, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just running, and there's so much more to life. Mm. But um, it's funny how you can get really uh, uh, deep into the running world, and that becomes your whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, to yep. stay grounded. Um, I think that Enneagram is was quite good for me anyway, and and quite good for a few of the kids I coach, just because it it gave you like a few other options and, and things to be aware of to better balance um, mm. perhaps your, your and other things that you could, should be maybe focusing on um, uh, to, to make sure that you're not being too perfectionist. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the only other um, personality type that of the last one of the big five that I thought was worth chatting with, about was introversion and extroversion. And I, th- mm. I think... Um, <laughs> I don't know. From my experience, um, yeah, distance running seems to attract both, but I've definitely seen a lot of introverts, um, uh, yeah, over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it, it attracts a bit of both. Like in, in the squad that I coach, like there's two extroverts and then all the rest are introverts. Um, mm. uh, and I don't, I don't it, from a performance point of view, it doesn't really matter. It's just mm. something to be aware of because extroverts gain energy from social situations and and yep. introverts can get a, a need a bit of alone time here and there um mm, mm, yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if you've got anything to say yeah, about that yeah, yeah i mean well yeah and it, and it clearly you know it's not black and white you're not an introvert or an extrovert you're somewhere on a spectrum and and, it, and, and you said it right there is that you know they're uh, at one end of the spectrum your your uh mental and emotional energy comes from um being around others and 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 then at the other end of the spectrum your your mental and emotional energy comes from being on your own um and you know that's so being at that end so where your mental and emotional energy comes from being alone um says nothing of your capacity to to thrive in social situations um it, it just means that you know, compared to someone at the other end of the spectrum, you, you um, it, it, it's more more taxing, takes more energy, <laughs> um, depletes depletes you more. Um, and yeah, you're right. I think they're they're probably a 
um, probably a lot of, yeah, more introverted than extroverted people, um, particularly in running. And, you know, that, that could very well have to do traditionally with the, the, the solitude of running. Um, you know, we can do it in groups, um, but at some time or another, whether you're with someone or whether you're on your own, running does take you inside yourself. You, 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 you get lost in your thoughts, you get lost in your breathing, you um, get lost in the pain or discomfort. Um, and, and, and so, and then you, you tie that into, you know, the, the, what happens when you run and, you know, the, the endorphin rush and, and that you feel better afterwards. And, and, you know, maybe there's a link there and, and um, that, that endorphin rush and that, that time where you, you, you are sort of with yourself and with your thoughts and, and, um, and, you know, maybe that's, um, you people, maybe people develop that, uh, that, um, that, that recharging method. Um, who, who knows? I don't know enough about it, but, um, you know, the other thing, the other thing I'd say is, um, be, be interesting to see, you know, we, we, we live, we're in a, we're living in a fascinating time in that, um, you know, how, human beings connect has so fundamentally changed over the last three or four decades. And, you know, we have an entire generation now um, that will have spent their entire life, um, you know, given the opportunity and the choice uh, or ha having the opportunity or choice um, to connect with people entirely virtually, text messaging, um, Zoom calls, FaceTime, Facebook, Instagram, commenting on things, you know, for, for you know, the, the newest generation. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Like, it, it's kind of scary. And, and you know, I, 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 I think I, I come across increasingly more people um, that, and, and it's no real fault of their own. They just haven't had to, they haven't been in, in enough situations um, where, where they've, they've needed to, to practice and learn and, and, and be social in, in the, in what we would call the traditional sense. They've been social in, a, in using an, a, an entirely different mechanism, which didn't exist 30, 40 years ago. And, um, and yeah, you kind of wonder how that will, will change, you know, yeah, that, that introvert, extrovert. Um, kind of spectrum in the next 20, 30 years. Um, yeah. Be interesting. Um, yeah. You know, we, you and I, you and I are fortunate. We've kind of, we, we grew up before all of that existed, and we've grown up and we'll continue to grow up now as it as it evolves. And and um, but yeah, I <laughs> think like a lot of people, particularly like social media and and the the um, the pull of it and the 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 attractiveness of it um, kind of does remind you like um, and COVID as well and, and being isolated and stuff just really reminds you how, how valuable it is to be standing in front of someone being in their presence. And, and it goes to show like, you know, that energy, that introvert, extrovert energy, um, you know, some of it just comes from being present with someone. Don't even have to, you don't even have to say, say anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Yeah, um, even what we were saying um, earlier on um, with neuroticism, um, some some mm. of those patients might be. Um, yeah, have a little bit of um, extroversion about them too, and <laughs> yeah, but that, that um, yeah, that's a good good point. Um, yeah, we can't lose the art of um, face to face communication, and especially when we're getting trying to get to the depths of understanding people really properly um uh, mm. you can't do that mm. via text message it's just um you just yeah. you just miss the it's hard but it's, yeah. yeah but you know we we might have this conversation day in another 10 years and realize shit we got to start learning how to how to read and and connect with people over text message um yeah. and you know there's there now like i've seen seen it pop up in like facebook and stuff like you know, you can see a doctor and, and it can be entirely online via text message. 
Um, and you can do similar things with like counselors as well. Um, and who knows, another 10 years, you know, we might, we might, we might all be in our little, little dens and not go out and see anyone anymore. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I, hope, I hope not as well. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not that I, any, any form of communication or right is right or wrong. It's just that it's evolved. Yeah. Um, and we, we communicate in different ways now. And, yep. um, and yeah, absolutely for me, like I, I'm definitely more on the introverted scale, but I, I so value human connection. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same and like nothing, um, made me more aware of how important it is than after Tokyo Paralympics and the 14 days inside and, yeah. and you just sort yeah. of like oh geez I f- feel a bit unhealthy now after the first seven yeah. days was all right like I felt like I recharged yeah. but then yeah the yeah. last seven days um I was like oh geez yeah um and, and I, I know everyone will be yeah. yeah everyone can sympathize yeah. with that um over yeah. the last couple of years but oh and I just realized I, and I know you got to go but the last the last no, one no. that we just sort of skimped over was agreeableness and I've read a study on on um the there was a study on what separates lead coaches um, versus gold medal winning coaches at the world championships and the Olympics. Um, and mm. I forget the absolute details, but it was in, involved with swimmers. And I think it was a, um, a UK study. Um, mm. might've been back in London, um, but uh, they got coaches to self-rate their personalities on the big five. Um, Mm. Uh, the ones that we've talked about and then they got their athletes to rate their coaches on the big five and and um all the athletes were either like at the world championships at olympics and then there was athletes that won gold medals and there was actually a statistically um significant uh difference um in the ratings of um uh the world uh champion uh, the, the gold medal winning coaches versus the world leading coaches and the gold medal winning coaches seem to be um, higher rated in, um, from a personal point of view when they've self-rated themselves and when the athletes rated them um, to be more agreeable, more likely to be agreeable. So agreeable means that you're trustworthy, uh, got a lot of empathy, um, kind, nice, and you think of others um, and you're not, you're not really selfish or self-serving. Um, they were really open to new experiences, open to new ideas. Um, so they were really open as well. Um, and they were low on neuroticism. Um, so they weren't emotionally mm-hmm. unstable. So, I mean, that, that, mm-hmm. but that, it was interesting how, uh, and then the world uh, leading coaches that didn't win the gold medal, but still had great athletes, um, were slightly higher mm-hmm. um, in, um, in uh, neuroticism um, and just slightly mm-hmm. lower in the other uh, other areas um i think mm. um yeah you would have thought conscientiousness would have been high in there as well um mm. but yeah i think agreeableness is something um that's pretty important um as a coach uh because and as a therapist um you need to be um you come across and and as kind and 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 mm. it needs to be natural that you think of others um yeah, if that's part of your personality where it just comes across naturally and you like doing that mm, and that's just mm, the way you're mm. wired, um, then mm. it's going to be easier to be a coach. Um, and for some yeah. people, that comes easier than others. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess. Makes, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Like by definition, as a coach, you're, you're serving, you're, you're providing service to your athletes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, that's the, the five personalities and um, in the big five. Yeah. And, and there's so many other different personalities, but I thought mm. they were, that was probably the best to go over because that's what um, uh, has been probably the most scientifically studied. And mm. um, those mm. five categories um, are sort of overarching and cover a lot of different types of characteristics. And there's obviously mm. secondary ca- ca- um, personalities that, and a lot of other personality traits that we haven't talked about, but... I don't know. I think we're not psychologists and, and um, don't claim to be experts, <laughs> no. but it's worth just no. raising awareness um, and that it's an important topic to consider. Um, and if we're even getting some Absolutely. runners just to think about what their personality type is and, and even if they 
jump on and do the Enneagram or the Big Five or yeah. um, Myers-Briggs. Um, you can access it on, uh, I think it's, I just got it on truity.com and it's free. Um, mm -hmm. And you can just get a bit of a idea. Otherwise, if you're more interested in it, um, yeah, it's worth, uh, yeah, see, seeking a professional that's um, perhaps more, more versed in, in um, yeah. this aspect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like it's it's a value to, to us as physios um, because you know we we are um, we're, we're dealing with um, people that are in pain or have a, a loss of physical function, and um, in order to you know decrease that pain and improve their their, uh, their 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 function and quality of life, you know. Whatever interventions we we deem appropriate, we need to understand the barriers and facilitators to those. And those those barriers and facilitators, the only way we can really understand those is yeah, look at things like as you said, personality and 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 health beliefs and and yeah, looking looking more into the um, the, the 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 psychology, I guess. And that's not to say um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't mean we need to be experts in it, but we need to tune into it for sure. Yeah, it's so much easier to treat a patient that's um, a bit more self-aware um, mm. of themselves and, and perhaps some of their strengths yeah. and weaknesses um, that might might be present going forward in their in their rehab mm. or in their mm. in their mm. training and and and, um, mm -hmm. and then they're more likely to voice it and then we're more likely to uh, pick up on it and then um, mm -hmm. Uh, just knowing that it's actually like part and part of the parcel rather than um, just going, oh, I've got a sore knee um, mm. and then that's, that's, that's all that the physio needs to know. Like, um, mm. no, it's, 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 it's nice to know like, um, yeah, um, some ca character traits and you slowly pick up on them. Oh, but, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because, I mean, I, I, uh, I, always, I always think like we, we talk about and – a lot of our research is all about, you know, you know the the biological and the biomechanical contributors to to um, tissue loads and and things like that. Um, but like <laughs> we can we we can treat so many things just by man by load, through load management. We could do do it entirely through load management, not even look at the biomechanics. Uh, that would be doing a disservice, obviously. But but. I, I think we overestimate the biomechanics and underestimate the, the load management. And the load management depends depends a lot on you know beliefs and attitudes and personalities. And um, you know, I, I reckon I don't know if you've if you've chatted to him on your podcast, but um, I, I'll give him a plug because he, one is a is a absolutely ripper bloke, but he's um, he did. Um, he did get have quite, some quite good research published in the last few years that looks a bit more into the kind of the the, the psychological overlay, particularly in elite sports and and um, how that relates to injury and things like that. Richie Johnson um, is a um, is an Irish Irish physio. He lives in Melbourne. He's a runner. Yeah. Um, everyone at uh, everyone at Hunter, um, I think. Uh, Adores him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the impression I get anyway. And um, he's a yeah, he's a really lovely fella. But um, like I just, I, I just it made me think of it because I've got one of his papers um sitting sitting in front of me at the moment, and it's um, it's uh general health complaints and sleep associated with new injury within an endurance sporting population. Um, the con uh, like I'll read the conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jump straight to jump straight to the detail. Um, to minimise an increased risk of new injuries within an endurance sporting population, this study study demonstrates that psychological, lifestyle, subjective subjective health complaints, and sleep quality should be considered. So, I mean, that's uh, literally like just reading the title, but it's. There, there is there is some research out there, and and um, there should be more on it because yeah. we, we we look so much at the all the biomechanical stuff, but forget that um, no no pillar of our health occurs in a vacuum, and you can't separate any of them. So 
we probably should be exploring a bit more of them, particularly as physios. Beautiful, mate. Another great episode. I'll let you run. Um, enjoy your <laughs> run with um, the North Northside Collective. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, until next time. Thanks, Dave. Fine, Dino. <laughs> thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I'll let you go. You've probably got a race off. Um,